The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. They'll help you take the legwork out of saving and investing. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. How's everyone doing today? We're good. I'm blessed and unstoppable, man. I'm having a great day. I, I'm trying to keep my Christmas spirit, like we talked about, yes. through the year. That's all right. Was all, a couple years year. ago, That's I lost right. it two days, but I still got it going. Today's been a good day. It is. It's raining. Yeah, that's right. I'm a little sleepy because of that. Well, I think you're supposed to have those days. Okay. I mean, because normally human beings at the rate right now, we don't slow down. Right. So, but if, if Mother Nature throws some atmosphere on you that like naturally calms, you can't even, and we'll power through it. For God's sakes, we've invented energy drinks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that guy for Red Bull. And yeah, Monster. you know, that's what that comes out of anyways, isn't it? That's right. Like all those nitro boys, it's because they had to grow up in, the, in that, it's not foul weather either, because I love rainy days, yeah, but same. I mean, it is tough to get up and get moving. It's almost like a, and it's cold. It's cold. It's cold too. Uh, so now, cold. look, I'm, I'm from the Northeast, so like it's, it's now a balmy 22 degrees outside, which is warm for the day, right? It's going down to nine later on in the week, so oh. I, I, I feel you. I can <laughs> appreciate that. I understand, that. but there's no cons. I get it. I know it. I, this, this, these are my, this is what arguments are supposed to be about, right? It's not yeah. trying to kill each other and the hate and everything. <laughs> this is a real argument right here. You don't know what cold is you know down cold there. Is. And I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> well, it's yeah. 48 degrees right now. I've got it pulled up on my phone, and I'm freezing. But it's like a cold 48 bones, degrees, though. My bones Dude. are cold. <laughs> yeah, a cold 48 will kill you. Right? Make it, it makes life miserable. We've all been cold and wet, and it just <laughs> it makes the day go long I heard and the nights longer. There was yeah. a, um, I described one time. It's uh, Idis Alba. I'm saying his, his name ter- terribly wrong. Yeah, it's okay. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The, the actor. And he's like, hey, man, the weather and the temperature like the weather, it, it, you can relate. It's kind of like the, in the 60s, everybody's happy. Like the perfect temperature is 98.6 degrees is the inside of your body, so 68.9 degrees is perfect temperature, right? And you know that? No. Damn, son. <laughs> Damn, son. <sighs> Teach right, me something yeah. new. So the ebb and <laughs> flow off of that is how it's like, if, if you notice when you get a fever, your body spikes up to over 100, that's like the outside temperature. If it picks you up, it's just like a heater. That's why in the summertime, things aren't really sick because right. it burns it off. Mother Nature, she ebbs and flows her cold cycles and her hot cycles. Well, we're stuck in the middle of that like a piece of iron, right? And then every time it shifts, it kind of brings something else out of you and, and makes something new. That's why you got to appreciate it. I'm glad I live days. here in Texas and I'm not getting these two, two degree, nine degree days. I can't do that. Yeah. Couldn't handle. Mm-hmm. I lived in Nashville and that was cold what enough. But he was saying, he goes, the thing about the 40s, like the 40 degrees, is like it's not cold enough to be freezing, but it's not warm enough to be all right. Yeah. It's enough it's to be miserable. Miserable, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, like the <laughs> 40s. And you're like, ugh. Why? Well, 40. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. at 46 right now. And it's, I mean, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> 
on these on these cold days up here, I go outside and I think about because I live in the Hudson Valley, so I'm I'm west to West Point. I'm kind of in the lots of colonial history around here, and I think to myself, dude, seven you're 1773, it's January, right? And you're in your log cabin. Not only are you fighting the Brits, all right, you have maybe some, some angry Native Americans around here, and you're also fighting the weather. And you go in your nice insulated log cabin and you live. Yeah. You talk about that how hard they were back then in this area. It's just impressive. Oh, so we we were talking about that yeah. yesterday. Our our son is learning about the thirteen colonies in history right now. He actually has a huge test today, awesome. so we were um, <laughs> all weekend we were studying the history of the thirteen colonies, especially in the New England area. And golly, I mean, what they did back then well, was I, crazy. It's it's yeah. shifted now, but I remember back in the day, like I. I would make fun of myself for wearing these warm clothes, not only for wearing warm clothes, but because yes, of how they would. look. Remember that? And then the ones who brought us up, they were like, what, why is he wearing that? Because it would make you soft. Outside will make you tough. That was a real thing. So you go that far back to not only were people trying to kill you or your own people, then there's, there's animals trying to kill you. And then, yep. and the weather steps in to whip your ass. You want to talk about some hard people back then. I, I just, you can't, well, that's why you can't relate. You're not supposed to, to do that you're not supposed to be able to like oh we had, we got it tougher than no because back in the right. day it was they just, make it better yeah that's right i would have had you kill me a bear and i would have made <clears throat> an outfit basically like i would a have onesie. killed you a bear babe yeah <laughs> i would do that for you i would have had a onesie <laughs> of a bear you sure would have like, had different color ones too for the even weather. the hood, <laughs> the hood? The head? I, yeah. yeah i would bear. look out the mouth yeah i would be covered in a bear rug <laughs> seriously i cannot Dude. take the cold yeah yeah and they did it amazing i just i i and then and then you feel like you feel like an absolute wuss because it's like you're inside your warm house it's you have the fire going it's up to 85 degrees you're stopping wood like crazy and you realize how did how did we make it and how did i get where i'm at i am just weak yeah. <laughs> i'm just complete it's, weakness I, I will have a, an every now and again i love <clears> sleeping with this cold to have my for the in the room for my head, you know, head hanging up, but the body be warm. Like the best invention probably down here is, you know, the air conditioning, hot water. That's really up there. How is your body warm? The wheel. We that's have a good the, one. You have an air conditioner on our mattress. Don't yeah, but see, that's what I'm talking about. Like that kind Don't of tell stuff. Anybody. Yeah. Don't tell the old, <laughs> the, the old fathers and the old mothers back in the where they're here. Right. I don't, don't want them to know that I have that that awesome system. On my bed. We the have the Uller on our <laughs> bed, right. and it is magnificent. So, it makes it so <laughs> cold in my our. My point room. with that is though, sleeping outside. Like we still do that sometimes. Yes, it's funny. Yes, we do. I, I heard some of my buddies that were married when we were in the teams. They they come home and get in arguments with their wives. They're like, well, you just been outside camping for the last two weeks. And you're like, camping? Do you understand what we have to go through out there? But if you have all the amenities, sleeping outside and those barrels, I mean, and that kind of stuff, it's, it's pleasant. The it's minute enjoyable. you got to go to the restroom out there, or you got to try and cook something, or start a fire, that's when people start getting unhappy. Yeah, and it's you know, it's it goes to show. Back then, man, they were they were they were tough. I was thinking about that the other day because we lived in the RV, and anytime I had to use a restroom, I had to like care wouldn't let me go in the camper, so I had to leave the camper. And when it was cold, man, <laughs> I had to walk all the way to the bathroom. Get your ass outside! <laughs> I was like, this is the worst, man. Yeah, no, camping's things. great if you don't have to pull security. You know, if you're not, <laughs> you know, doing 10, 15 miles a day, you know, if people are trying to hunt you down. Camping's great. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I like camping. Camping in like seventy-five degree weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like glamping. 
What's yeah. it called? Glamping. That's glamping. Yeah. I've never heard that. Is yeah, that, it's gl- is that that's what it's called. It's called How glamping. How have you not heard of that? That's like a term. This <laughs> it's a real term. All right. Surprise. <laughs> there we go. All right. Let it no, out. I made it There's up. something. I made it up right here. Thank you. I was going to give it to you. <laughs> I, I want to take credit for invent- inventing the the first underwater uh, photo bomb. Well, you should do it. I photobombed Governor Perry that time. We got it on a coffee mug. Remember when I'm back there behind him at the court? There? That's awesome. Yeah. I'm taking so it's pretty epic. Put, put that one right down. Definitely. Call Guinness. Call Guinness. <laughs> yeah. I started that. Didn't Ellen start the first selfie? She did. Yeah, yeah. The, at the award shows. The award show, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, underwater selfies. I'm up there with Ellen now. That's right. <laughs> Ellen and Marcus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Social climbing right there. All right, Social man. Climber. Somebody got to get this guy a TV show. Okay. All right. Let's, yeah. Do we have a Patreon? We question? do. We have a we have a question. What is the funniest way that you've ever been injured? Hmm. So all injuries are funny. I was depends, trying to think about one. Depends on who looks, who's looking at them and who's going through them. Your buddy's yeah. sitting there. They're going to be laughing when you get your ass handed to them. All the way. I think that mine was we had a tire swing in our front yard, and I remember they just twisted me up until that rope couldn't be twisted up anymore. <laughs> and I remember just, like, blacking out because I guess the speed in which I came, you know, swirling back off of that thing threw me off. And I just remember waking up in the house, torn up, trying to figure out what had happened. And everyone else thought it was hilarious. <laughs> All right. I don't remember. So, dude. What's the question? Most funny way you've ever been injured. Oh, sorry. Okay. All right. So after school one time, we were, all the boys, we were, our crew, we were driving back to one of the guys' houses. And off over one of the bridges, down through, you follow the creek around, there was a tree and a rope swing that, that swung over the canyon. This right? is Morgan's favorite story to Should tell. Should I him tell that? I wish he was here. <laughs> I wish he was here to tell this story. He, this is his favorite story to tell. I mean, I got jacked. All the times <laughs> I've been killed, drowned, nothing compared to this one. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this one, like, really. It's like, like phone a friend. It, I'm like, can oh, we call dude. Morgan? They laughed so hard. I mean, obviously, I was going through it. I didn't think it was very funny. All right, well, tell tell the story. So I get we're on this rope swing. It's kind of a, imagine a washout. It's, it's a deep canyon. It's got a, a creek running through it, but there's bouts of, of a gravel and, and trees down yeah, in there. Yeah. Sure. If you've ever seen Grown Ups, you know, where he swings off yes. the deal? Okay, it's like that. But yeah. off of the handle, the stick that was tied into the rope, there was another rope that went further down that one of your buddies could hold on to and hook you up with an extra G force. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Power force. Okay, yeah, there you go. 100%. Hit the booster. (laughs) Well, my older brother. Seven minutes. Seven minutes Yeah, this dude's put me through more pain. He freaking, it got good to him, I guess. And he pulled that rope. And I mean, let me paint the picture for you. So I had uh, had like a J. Crew sweater on. Real pretty. (laughs) And some some Jimbo jeans and bass shoes. Preppy boy. Preppy boy. All right, my hair had been parted over on the side kind of deal. How old were you? Who knows? 16, 15? <laughs> Who knows? 12. Old enough no. to look <laughs> stupid as... I mean, I, old enough to get the, the yes. everything knocked out of me. Okay. Uh, he pulled that thing in. Right, I came down off of that ledge and looked good. I'm talking like trapeze good. At least I think I did, man. And right at the apex <laughs> of it, he pulled that thing and that, that handle came out. Yeah. Came out of my hands and I did a half gainer. And as I was coming down, I stopped rotating, man, and I hit the rocks. But like in that spring part of your neck where your neck and your shoulder meet, where that flex is right there. You see that? Yeah. See how I do that? <laughs> and then C3, imagine, where it yeah, can break. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Imagine a reverse <laughs> scorpion, right? So I came down, and when my freaking crank hit me in the face, dude, I had that. <laughs> I mean, like, just 
And, and I didn't even, I mean, like I like down into the sand and gravel, into the water. And I got up. Remember RoboCop when that dude comes out of that yeah. tin of freaking toxic waste? That's kind of yeah. what I look like. I was walking like that, dude. So you went from looking like Wile E. Coyote with, with the imprint on the ground to coming out uh, like RoboCop. Yeah, I'm talking about from Beverly Hills 90210 to freaking... And I, you know, all my buddies are sitting there, and it's the funniest thing, man. They laughed, so no one to give a damn, dude. I was just laying down, there, ah, you know, kind of. Of course it is. <laughs> and oh man, it was good stuff. Yeah, that was funny. That, yeah, so, I got I got busted up on that one. How about you? The rope swings are dangerous down there. So, like, I was working in a warehouse, and uh, so one day we decided we uh, it was a, a gun shop, and we had to move this like two thousand pound safe. So for some reason, I thought it was a good idea. <clears throat> we had to move it onto a truck. That we'll just lower it down slowly oh, on nice. his back, yeah, yeah. and then we'll push it into the truck. <laughs> so, of course, I volunteered to be on the lower down slowly part. Now, I don't know what I was thinking that I could like bench press 2,000 pounds. I just got out of the army. So, I'm like, yeah, That's I why. can do this. That, no that's problem. Why. We'll just slowly come it down, slowly bring it down. It'll be fine. Dude, this thing fell like, like a tree. And boom, <laughs> I got out of the way. Most of me got out of the way. But my foot disappeared. It split my foot. It cut me off right in my foot. And I'm sitting there for like a half second. My foot has disappeared under this, under the safe. My buddies are laughing because they think it's hilarious. Because again, it looks like Wiley Coyote right. had just, you know, I just dropped an anvil on itself. And then, you know, I start screaming like a like a two-year-old kid because half my foot is crushed under 2,000 pounds. Oh. So uh, but it was it was just hilarious because they afterwards, like, what were you thinking, man? Like you were you were, you were literally putting two thousand pounds on your body, thinking you can hold it. I'm like, <laughs> I'd do it again. <laughs> I'd do it again, man. Like, hey, you know, it's a great story. Pull my, pull my card. How long did it take to get that off, dude? Well, it was, the three guys were there. They, you know, they, they. I was screaming so hard. I'm like, you better, like, you know, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. But it took them about maybe ten seconds. They were, they were big, strong guys. Well, a lot stronger than me, apparently. Um, so they got it off, and then. You know, the foot swelled up. It was fine. It oh happens. my gosh. <laughs> That's awful. That's wild. Melanie, do you have anything? I have one thing. So Leslie and my dad and I and my dad's uh, girlfriend, we went to uh, Niagara Falls. This is great. I don't care where you go with it from yes, here. Yes, we went to Niagara <laughs> Falls and we went to a, the Zach Brown band concert. But we the day after we wanted to go see the you know, the, got on the boat and did the whole waterfall thing. And we were getting off and um, I had popcorn in each. I don't know why, but I had popcorn. <laughs> I'm holding it. I'm holding all the stuff. So I've got my arms full of popcorn and loose change because I had to pay in cash for the popcorn. And I've got drinks and I'm walking across the street and Leslie and... My dad and his girlfriend are on the other side of the street and all these tour buses come and park right in front. And I've got to walk across the street around the bus to get to them. And when I'm walking, my foot goes straight into a pothole and it twists and I fall knees first and then like chin first on the street in front of all the tour buses and popcorn that and all the popcorn loose change drinks everything just fly <laughs> everywhere and all i'm thinking is like did i break my knees it hurts so bad my knees hurt so bad and everything i'm embarrassed obviously i'm mean, humiliated and um Everyone was just laughing. They were just looking at me laughing, but Leslie and them couldn't see me because they were on the other side of the tour bus. Yeah. 
And I think one lady came and kind of helped me get get up or whatever. And I walked over. It, but nobody I knew saw it. But everybody in the tour bus was laughing at me. Yeah. Um, so that was probably. That's all right. You'll never yeah. see them again anyway. Yeah, That's never right. see them again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> never see them again, but that was definitely an embarrassing moment. And um, Dude, people yeah. slipping. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just a good... I, I saw something on Instagram the other day. This old boy came walking out of a car. I mean, it looked legit. And he, he was freaking... He stepped on some ice. And he oh, was, that one. You know what I'm talking about? see forever. that? We need to find that dude, because he, he's <laughs> that guy would never... He didn't give it up. He was on ice for like two minutes oh, straight, dude. Just, and that guy <laughs> good to him, man. He, there. he finally, finally went down. Awesome. That was a great video. Yeah. Well, great question from you guys. Hey, we've got a great guest in store, guys. We've got someone who was recommended by Commander Dave Sears, who's been a guest on our podcast back in the day. And uh, I can't wait for this. Tommy O'Hare is an Army infantryman, a National Guard, and then spent 22 years as a New York police officer, kind of in the hood. Tommy, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, guys. It's a real, uh, it's a real pleasure, real honor. Like I said, when Dave Sears, you know, kind of told me I'd be on this, the first question I had told my friends the the first thing they said because they like to break my chops is, "What does everybody else have COVID? Is that why they're reaching out to you?" So I'm like, you know, but that's the way it is. It's messed you, know, up. you got friends that they, they break your chops. And love you. <laughs> Why? What's the matter? What happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did the, did the A team give up? <laughs> so, but yeah, Dave's a great, Dave's a great guy. Worked worked a lot with him, and and again, I do I do appreciate this. I appreciate what you do as well with, with the podcast and who you reach out to. Oh well, man, everybody stuff. on the team is just hey, it, it's set up just like that. So don't don't sell yourself short, man. Those under under our undercover operatives out in the field, we got a file on you. Yeah, yeah. it's only a matter of time where you made your way in here. Right, Dave's good like that. Give us a little background about who you are. Sure. Um, I often tell people I am the American success story, all right, because I am the child of Irish immigrants who came to this country on a boat, all right? They left their country, and uh, out of all the places they could have picked in the world, they picked this country here, and they came here on a boat, and they started working, and they never stopped, all right? So, you know, they had, they grew up with, with, those, with those values that they imprinted on us. Uh, eventually, I, I grew up in a, in a two-bedroom apartment with seven people. Right, you do the math. Right, so explain, so hey, back that up. That's a, I love those stories. Yeah. Like old New yeah. York story. I mean, I, I really dig those. I, the five boroughs, why that's the oldest <laughs> city, how that's the... Look, man, from, from down where we're from, before I got a chance to really like, become a part of y'all and, and had, had to really experience New York, it was a... It's like what you see on TV. It's a freaking mystery. Every Italian person's a gangster. Every cop is tough and badass. <laughs> Every dude on Wall Street makes a billion bucks. It's that kind of thing, man. If it comes out of there like that any other way, it's confusing to us. <laughs> it is. I, I'm um, serious. So when you get somebody who grows up in it and then patrols it, because I found this out. I'll tell you something. No one knows that city like those police, uh, like y'all do. The firefighters, yeah. the cop, I mean, the one who, who patrol it. I, I, and when I say that, you, can, you can't even really appreciate it. You watch them do that. Yeah, I know they're going a, through a war a right now, but damn, dude. seat on the greatest show on earth. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, what year did your family come over? So they came over like 1954. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, they came over. Uh, my mom came home. Uh, came over on the Stockholm, which which is sort of famous because as it was leaving New York after it dropped her off, it ran into Lusitania. That's right. And and sank. To um to the day she died, she never went back on the water. Oh, <laughs> She's wow. like, I'm done with boats. I got one boat that got me here, and that's it. Man, that's so crazy. <laughs> that generation back in that day, that 40s and 50s one, all the I mean from. The, the submarines and the shipwrecks to, I mean, that's terrifying. 
So that was different. That was like a scary thing for me too. I, I mean, even before I went to the teams, it was a. Uh, I had this crazy. I had this crazy. I'm pretty sure I was on the Titanic. I don't know why that movie scares the mess out of me. And then I became a seal for God's sake. I, mean, I, well, I don't know what I was thinking. That's God being like, "You afraid of that?" You said, "Son, get there in there." But uh, oh, dude. Yeah, so coming. Did um, they come in on Ellis Island? Did they come in through Ellis Island? No, Ellis Island was closed. But she she often tells a story of. So she was at the at the very bottom stewardship, you know, bottom bunk, cheapest boat over. And her, her roommate woke her up the morning that they sailed into New York Harbor. And she's like, come on, Mary, come up, come upstairs. We're here. And she she tells that story of of sailing into New York Harbor, you know, and seeing the Statue of Liberty, knowing that and she was she was maybe eight, I think 17 at the time, 17 years old, left her family who she thought she'd never see again, because back then you didn't go back home. Right. Like you left. It was called an American wake for a reason. They actually gave you a wake because they thought they'd never see you again. Yeah. Oh, wow. So she she sails into New York Harbor um, as a young girl of 17, 18 years old with a whole life ahead of her. Um, she had an aunt in New York, and then you know she started her life. What um, made her want to come over in 1954? That's after World War II. <laughs> so there's something about night. Right. It's, that that era. Yeah, if you and the, think the, about that time period. That if was... you watch a lot of movies like Back to the Future, everyone goes back to 1955. Everybody okay. says something spectacular about 1955. I, I've read sto- stories. I mean, it's like the, there's a lot of crazy stuff happened, but it was amazing times as well, and and horrible times all melted into one. Right. They just come out of you know they just come out of World War II. So she was a young child during World War II. Her and my dad. My dad used to sell soda bread to the uh, the American soldiers who were training in Northern Ireland before they went on a D Day. Right. So he would go down and they they trade you know chocolate and whatnot. But she remembers her her father smuggling you know butter and flour across the border because there was nothing to eat, right? Absolutely. And she remembers German planes flying overhead because they would attack from from Ireland because they were trying to avoid English radar. So these are the stories that that she would you know say like it was nothing to us. And you're sitting there just captivated because here is living history. You know, she lived through some amazing times and to see that, you know, what she went through, what her and my dad went through and what they saw um, and where we ended up, you can't be anything but grateful. Did they meet really. on the boat? No, they met uh, every every Sunday. The, the Catholic churches in Ireland, were, which were mostly filled with Irish, would have dances um, on Saturday nights. And all my father could do was waltz. So the way they did the Irish dance, the, the dance halls was there'd be four dances in a set. They'd be like an American jitterbug. It'd be three like classic American, you know, dances, current ones, and then a waltz. So every time my father tried to approach my mother for the waltz, some other guy would take her on the dance floor because she was really pretty. She was a stunner. So after after the last waltz, she went up to her, grabbed her hand, and said, "You're staying. You're staying with me until the next waltz." <laughs> and that's and that's how they met. Aww. Uh, that's where shillelaghs so, come from, right? That's it. You know, you, he, he grabbed her right away. And the next day she went on a date with another guy. Like she, she, so, but they eventually met. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, it was hard times growing up. It wasn't, you know, it was, you know, the seventies in the New York, New Jersey area was, was tough. And we lived in a two bedroom apartment. So we had five kids. So you do the math, all right? We had three kids, the three girls in one room, me and my brother in another room, my parents' bedroom was a pull-out couch. That was her bedroom, was the living room. And we thought that was normal because yeah. they made it normal. You know, they wouldn't let us think we were poor. They would, they, 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 they never would let us think we were poor, even though I know what food stamps are. I know what government cheese is, but they didn't have a, a poor mentality. They're like, no, you're in this country, you're going to a Catholic school. Oh yeah, that's different. Education. That's and a huge difference in that. Huge, huge. You can be poor, 
but not have have poor values. We, we were rich in values. Uh, oh man, well, you get these billionaires nowadays, and that, and I'm, I'm talking about like I'm talking about the above the millionaires, like the billionaires. They like log yeah. cabins out in the country where it's just kind of simple. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, cause, we were joking about this. You'd be surprised when, when you drive out there and you see sitting around on a porch and what you think is common is really not. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, like, what part of not. New York did y'all grow What did you grow up in? So my mother, my mother lived in Manhattan uh, for a while, the Upper West Side of Manhattan, uh, Washington Heights, which used to be a very big Irish section. Um, and as you, know, you see, it, New York really is an immigrant. It's, it's a great microcosm of, of, of an immigrant city. Because the new wave comes in and the next wave moves out. So they were there in, in the 60s, the 50s and 60s. And then the next generation of immigrants came in. So, you know, Puerto Ricans and other folks from Europe and South America. So they moved on out because they made kind of a bit more money. And they moved across the, uh, across the pond, across the river <clears throat> to New Jersey. Uh, her, her, her sister moved to Queens. And then so we settled just about five miles from New York City in, uh, in New Jersey in a small town. Uh, so, you know, they found an apartment there and began, you know, began raising a family, doing what, what they, uh, what, what they do. Awesome. I, growing up, I loved the beef. I had no idea what it was about between New York and New Jersey. I mean, it's just so much fun. And then David Letterman, that, that finally had said the New Jersey bridge was closed or something like that. Because every time y'all talk about boroughs or bridges, uh, you, I had no idea what that meant. Mm-mm. Yeah. And until yeah, you understand um, what each... When someone says they're from Manhattan or from the Bronx or from, they're from Queens or from Staten Island or from Long Island or from Uptown or from Midtown or I'm from Soho or Huge. which one? Yep. I, it's, dude, you cross over one street from like 103rd. That's where, that's a firehouse I hide out in. Right. Before she, she I mean, I, I, I would hide out there. I went one way in the Spanish Harlem, had a blast. It was completely different from when I went the opposite direction. Yep. I stumbled down to McSorley's on first and had to be carried out of there back up. <laughs> and I mean the time of, of my life. Two types of beer, darker oh, and light. <laughs> I can't brag about that place enough. Anyways, it's uh, I didn't think about it until you said it like that. But when you rotate in here, it's almost as if you rotate into New York, the big, the jungle, right? And and it kind of prepares you of what what it's like to be an American, right? And then when the it's new like, ones rotate, like that course. makes yeah. Then they rotate out not only to teach us about what's going on, but about what's coming in. I, I'm a firm believer: if your ass lives in the country, you better have a city friend. If you if yeah, you're from yeah. the city, you better have uh, a redneck from the sticks and like sure. be buddies. Round out, round, round out, round, well rounded. Round they they used to be a term, yeah. well rounded. And what that means yeah. is like you got some buddies that you yeah, that most friends wouldn't think you would have. Right, and and both those skills come into play. You know, you you and that's why I live in the country now. Uh, and I you know I grew up in a suburb and worked a lot in the city and. All those experiences and all those all the people you meet there, they help round you out, and you can appreciate exactly where they come from. Sure. Uh, and the, and then seeing seeing the the metamorphosis of this city, because when I was growing up, all the bodegas, all the grocery shops, they're called bodegas, were owned by Puerto Ricans. They came in, they worked hard, they started a small business, and that that was their that was their business. Well, the American dream. They made their money. They sent their kids to school. 
right? The kids weren't going to go and run the bodega. The kids were going to run run businesses. They're going to be bankers and lawyers. Right. So they, when they moved on, the next immigrant wave came in and took over the bodegas. Right now, they're mostly run by Yemenis, Iraqi, Kurdish. Yeah. In the Bronx and Brooklyn, so you can see it. It's it's the American dream over sure. and over. Yeah, it keeps again. rotating, and it's actually yep. and when it comes to the police officers up there, you actually live in a city full of cops. Yeah, not the other way around. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's it, it's kind of what jungle you want to live in up there. Y'all put the animals in cages and live, and, and they stack they stack up the people like ant, ant hill mounds out here. The animals still live in the forest. Right, like you walk <laughs> outside and get your ass eaten up by a cat, lion, or something. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff patrolling around out here. Oh my gosh. And then the cities are set up like that. When you walk into a place, I hear people say, man, it's not a, it's a dangerous place. I'm like, well, is there more than two people living in there? Is there women living in there? Then it's not dangerous. It's just, if you're not supposed to be in there, you ain't supposed to be in there. And that's a thing, man. I I, I just, that just is. It's like when you, yeah, when you walk up into somebody's block, if you're not from there, man, you got to let them see you. Yeah. You stand out. It's a, it's a real thing. And, and once they, for people, the streets don't get softer, they get harder. Yeah. Right, and the more civilized we get, you know, instinct kind of gets bred out of us. Unless you're military, or you have to actually get your street quals, and then we got yeah. that back. So there are yeah. different things down here, living different lives, and that's that's why it's supposed to be like that. But sure, um, yeah, I find man, it that, fascinating because I do it's not so great. belong in I mean, New York. <laughs> there's people in New York that have never seen the Statue of Liberty. I was talking to one of my handlers. She takes care of me she, for, for the longest time. And I was like, hey, hey, during uh, quarantine, I was like, hey, what's your neighbor? What are they? They don't know their neighbor. And I, when, when we say na- my neighbor, still 20 miles down the road, I know who they are. <laughs> yeah. They're talking about yep. living on the same floor and not understanding who that is. What are you talking about? I was like, man, maybe God put that person there to open something in your life. You might want to ch- Have y'all ever seen an episode of Friends? I mean, come on. So New York, man, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, we all go through our pitch and rolls, man, but don't, don't count them out. There, there's something. All right, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Get me on a New no. York tear. I, I, hey, I'll go all day. That's what's about. No, I see. We like see, uh, grew up like that, and then uh, so my, my old my old man, my father was a was a big fan of the U.S. military, obviously, and he he had bought the Barry Sadler album "Battle of the Green Berets." We play it often in the house, and we lived just south of West Point, so we didn't go on vacation. You, your vacation was you're going to get in the car and drive to the country, and we're going to do a little tour of what you have you know, in your backyard. So we would, we would drive to West Point. He loved the stonework. His, his father was a, a stonemason. He, he cut granite over in Ireland. Uh, and that's where I kind of got the, the idea of, of going in the military. Uh, and also the idea is, is every day of my life, my father reminded me how lucky I was to be in this country. And, and you, get, you, get a love, you get the love of America. It's just different when you have immigrant parents because they can immediately tell you what your life would have been like if you weren't here sure. because they know about that. So you have a reverence uh, and a debt. Like I, I owed this country a debt and sure. that's the way I looked at it. Yeah, you got and a snotty ass kid, man. Move him next to an immigrant. I'll straight right. I'll help you. Yeah. yeah. Love your neighbor. Right. <laughs> yeah. i tell you what, work. if I'd have known how I, I know, I don't know anything about West Point again, from just what I heard on, on and saw on TV and then upstate New York. You know, when you hear New York, you think everything's New York City. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. any di- I, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it was. It is probably the most beautiful country we got. When those leaves are turning, out there, especially on West Point, where that chain went across the, yes. uh, the river there. Hudson, yeah. Oh, I mean, in the tradition, in the history, looking back at it now, at, it's completely different. Obviously, it has to be, because at that age, when you're looking in there, it's like, man, I, I, didn't, I wouldn't want to be a part of that. But the history there. I mean, just to be a part of those people, a line of that, uh, uh, of that, the way that that's been passed down is something. 
right just to live up there is amazing of, of, of that character man and that's that's the, that's kind of the reason why i stay around this area a lot of guys retire and they they head south for very good reasons sure uh you know i'm i'm still i'm a northeast kid i love the mountains i, I love the history up here you know it just it just because it, it, it kind of defined kind of my growing up you know we spent a lot of time up here in these mountains my father loved the mountains always had to get up and up to here when he could and it was those those trips up here that he kind of impressed upon me you know kind of how lucky i was and you know the debt i we kind of owed america perfect earth would be that that atmosphere where you live with tech <laughs> I, I mean think about I mean, because of the way the seasons change and just the scenery I, and um the people that live up there because it is that's old history up there so it's calm collect you know you when you're rolling around you ha- you never know who you're who you're with up there that's my friend that's, has a a barn uh, that was the arms arms room for the local militia in 1772 oh, can you imagine what's in, wow. under the buried in the ground out there you don't even know about <laughs> yeah I like <laughs> well, young soldiers didn't want to carry all that kit and be like, I'm going to leave this right here. <laughs> just, just crap out of here. Just... <laughs> I know because, well, I've done that. Well, and, I've, uh... done that. <laughs> I've dumped useless kit in the, in the garbage. Yeah. I don't need this. Yeah, yeah right. Like, Dad, I never use this damn thing. I know it's cool. Uh, sure. That's, <laughs> that, that's a thing for real. That's so did funny. you sign up right out of high school? You know, I, I did. My Again, my goal was to go to West Point. My goal was to become an officer. Uh, I wanted to be a, a lieutenant in the infantry, in the army. Uh, wasn't smart enough for West Point. Got got turned down from there. No worries. Uh, I went to ROTC in uh, in college, and then uh, my dad took ill. Uh, you know, got cancer, and he passed away when I was 19. So you know, that was kind of a a, a tremendous uh, kind of shock to the system. And at that point, I walked in. They were going to offer me an early commission, and I walked in. I turned it down. I said, "Now I, I'm going to go active full time. I need to kind of get out of here. I needed. I I couldn't see." Going back to college and being that normal college kid after seeing what my family went through, what my mom went through, like I had to get out yep. um, and go be a man somewhere because, uh, you know, your father is the one that that kind of blesses you off as being a man, and I didn't have him now, so I had to go find to find out to be a man somewhere else. So, oh you know, sure, of course. That's the, the thing, man. I, always, yeah. always looking for that. <laughs> I call them pillars. We don't really, yeah, guys don't really talk about this kind of stuff, but I mean, it's as we go out and, and look around. I mean, there's other guys you run into that teach you something. That, that's a thing. Kind of like finding yeah. that pack. Everyone's um, looking back on it now, too. Now that I have kids, like you see that I remember there was kind of this aura around like the military kids. You know, they went in the military, but they were a certain type. And then you had the cowboy and everything. But I mean, nowadays, our genre, you've got everything in there. And the oh, wars yeah. did that. That's what happened. Yep. So like when we signed up, it wasn't like the conventional stuff. I mean, we had everybody in there. Yeah. Your best buddy would be a billionaire from from the city. And you, and then you got this some crazy redneck from Arkansas that <laughs> right. they don't even <laughs> let out. <laughs> and I mean, you don't want to be away from them guys at all. Breaking case of war. Well, that's right. <laughs> them, them guys. I mean, we got them. I tell people, like, man, you ain't got to worry about me. You need to worry about them guys that, that care about me. And, yeah. and when we get into the, into our world the way they did us and raised us, it's that, it's like that, right? Like we God, got them tech wizards and guys in anonymous, you know, and them some of our boys too. I mean, they, they just right. it's a, all across the board, and it's something you never thought that that out of that chaos would have created a, an environment like we have, but it did, right? It did, and it changes. Environments are always changing, just like New York City, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always always evolving, always changing. You never know what the future is going to hold. But it's going to change, and you better you better catch up with it, or you better adapt to it, or else you're going to be left behind. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so I I found myself in the in the infantry, found myself on the Czechoslovakian border of then West Germany, 
And, you know, the wall had come down. We were at peace with the Russians. So my mother was, was, was very happy. She's like, her little, her little son is in Europe. No problems, no worries, no wars. And then a month later, Saddam invades Kuwait. Oh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, off, off we go to the I remember when that first happened. armored division. Yeah, 1990. Yeah, I watched uh, it on TV. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was still, I was in high school. But uh, you're a storm. Yeah, there's a storm, yep. Yeah, the, st- the storms and the shields are completely di- they're different. Actually, you got some mixes, too, because you got some storm shield guys that rolled into the G-Watts. Uh, it's a crazy, man, dynamic in our time frame because you got great. You can have grandfathers and grandsons in the same, that, that same can, unit. They can talk scrap, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I went from Desert Storm, then in 90, I went to lowering surveillance after that uh, to, a, to a reconnaissance team. Yeah, you're alert. Then, that makes sense. Yeah. And Good then I went you. to um, went to sniper school, and suddenly now 1993, you know the 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 choppers get shot down to Mogadishu, we get alerted, and now I'm, I'm sitting in, in Somalia on my second tour, in the night, and that was rare. Like back then, like oh, it was right, rare. nice it was work, rare. man. You hit all. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, That's hit, nice uh, work. I, I hit the gambit. <laughs> so I did I did six months in in Mogadishu. Uh, my last six months, like I ETS from Mogadishu. I literally ETS, like I left that, man, Mogadishu. That's, that's crazy. And then like a week later, I was out of the army. <laughs> Bro, when I was going through 18 Delta, our, all of our med studies, uh, uh, down man, pilot drills, stuff like that came out, out of y'all, out of, out of Mogadishu. I mean, Somalia and, yep. of course, to Vietnam, but I remember we had to study that one pretty hard and heavy. That was cool. Yeah, we could, yeah, we're, we're, we went, went and kind of set up the dark team concept and we're going out, you know, looking, we're, look, we're looking for Mike Durant initially yeah. um, the first week. And then when, when they gave him up, it was, uh, hey, how do you support the ground element again? So sure. it was a, an interesting four, six months as well. That was a big change, right? Panama, that's kind of when we started getting integrated and everything started changing for us. I thought, if you really look at it, like, what, yeah. when did y'all actually start to do? I was like, man, then when the storms and the shields rolled in, y'all created that. Because back in the Vietnam guys, we were separate. Right. Yeah. It was you. you never saw another another person. I worked. You know, I worked mm-hmm. with Marines. I worked with yeah. with Navy. We we'd Army SF in, in Mogadishu. So you, you kind of touch. You touch corners with JSOC. You touched. You know the Marines. You touch a lot of stones right off the bat because oh, it's yeah. one small area, and that started. Hey, we can we can make this work. Isn't that cool? It's like being in a family with yeah. all your cousins running around. <laughs> Yeah, our, skin, our skins are di- yeah, yeah your uniforms are different you're like different colors and you got and and the tactics are the same but they're different right they're dis- dissim- dissimilar is that the word we would yeah. use <laughs> dissimilar yeah good said? enough <laughs> is that a word well, it was for us that we would, <laughs> we would come up with the most i was like what is that well, i don't know let's make something up dissimilar that's cool yeah same but, di- but different <laughs> new yeah. dictionary word it was cool man because then the lateral training we would train together so then you, that's where you would make buddies because it was on Liberty too. Because when we're training, yeah. we also get off. And then when they throw us in the fights, you'd walk up somewhere. I'm talking about <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Go to nowhere and take a left like where we live and then keep going like that kind of nowhere. <laughs> and then you run into a buddy. And then it just, that's when it got fun. Like, yeah, it gets crazy. You get, you, yeah. you get, you have tanks. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got tanks. It's yeah. great. We can, yeah, we can use tanks. Yeah, we got everything. <laughs> Yeah, but I ATS and I'm thinking I'm never gonna. I, I, I was never getting back in the military again. Did my four years, got my two combat tours done. I am done. I'm going to be a cop in New York City, and that's going to be it. It's set for life. And then a year later, I find myself, you know, back in the National Guard because there's a, a unit in Rhode Island, the 173rd Lowering Surveillance Detachment. They're on jump status. I'm like, yeah, I like I jump out of planes. I could do this part time. This is not that not that bad. So, uh, you know, I joined the guard again, and then started uh being a rookie in the nypd that's awesome 
So what yeah, year was, was that that you joined the NYPD? 1997. So uh, I was uh, one of the, the bigger class. We, we had a class of about 2,500 guys and girls. And, uh, you know, we, uh, I, got, I graduated October of 97 and find myself uh, on the streets of probably, and, and I asked for this, it was the absolute worst precinct at the time. So yeah, what's up? Precinct. Start hard. Right. You, you, if you're going to go learn, you, you're going to get paid the same as the guy working in Midtown South. You know, where, where you're giving directions to the tourists. That's where you're supposed to you're, retire, you're, you're, man. You know, some <laughs> plus like that. When you first come out, like every young charger, I just need to be out in the in the in the in the grind, man. Yeah. Like yeah when you see them guys like, walking around in sweet deals, they put the time in. <laughs> they do. And that's, that's I was lucky to have that. I had I had so my mentors were guys and girls that survived the crack wars of the eighties and nineties. We're talking Yeah, like war. A, a couple of hundred people killed a year with 500 wounded. Like we're talking yeah, yeah. that numbers in five point, you know, 5.3 square miles. That's crazy. But people don't talk about that. I mean, I mean, it's bad now, but back then we're talking about pulling up refrigerator trucks to hold some bodies because uh, everything else has been filled up. You think, yeah, I tell people go ahead and Google or YouTube, like New York in the seventies and eighties. And yeah. it was, you know, we're, we're kind of getting back to that, but we're not there yet, but it was a different animal. That was then. disco. Marcus's right, mom think about that. was, um, <laughs> his mom is like true Southern Texas woman. Like, I mean, you can't, she's like the definition of mother. what <laughs> yeah. a Texas yeah. woman is. But when she graduated high school, she decided she wanted to get out of the country. <laughs> I'm not going to go. Out of the country. She I'm went keeping to New York. it PG. <laughs> out of the country. She, <laughs> she went to flight attendant school. Oh, here we go. And wow. Oh, put those together. Yeah. And she ended up getting um, stationed in New York City. Yeah, and wow. this woman in New York City is—they don't go together at all. <laughs> but um, she said that that was—it was in the seventies. It was in like seventy-three, I think, when she was there. Sixty seventies, you know, like when it was cool to be and, there. No, well, she no, she said that it was so dangerous. They would have um, bodyguards walk the flight attendants to their apartments because it was so dangerous. Um, on the streets, like people were getting robbed and stabbed and stuff. That's why she's so time. tough. My oh, dad she, didn't stand a chance. She'd whip his ass all the time. She is very tough. Thing I ever met. She's I super see was New tough. York trained. <laughs> but she, New York ladies, y'all gotta watch out for them, man. Yeah. She lived in so, New so York. So the woman's something to be breaking with now. Yeah. <laughs> they are. She lived in New York for like a couple months, and then she was like, "This isn't for me." But I thought just her telling that her stories is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's, you, no one ever calls a police officer when they're having a good day. All right. So yeah. when you have, when you get a promotion, when you have a good day out in the field, when your crops are up, when, when you're, when your kid gets an A on a test, you don't call the police department and say, Hey, come on over. Uh, this is a great day. You get to meet people in their, on their worst day, probably of their life. Yeah. And you do that eight hours a day. Yeah, you know, seven that's a great way of saying. It. Think about it, like when you get a promotion in the police department. That means you have to deal with more crap. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you have to deal with more misery from other people because it, it's like it rolls up hill and downhill in the police department. Plus paperwork. Plus, <laughs> I know, dude. I mean, and, and other cops as well because now you're in charge of cops. Yeah, which is oh, even worse. Yeah. Which is tough. <laughs> I mean, itself because here, the minute you go out there and have to deal with somebody's other people's crap, man, just think about this. Someone is willing to come help you with it. Just on their faces, yeah. hey, I'm here to help you in some way I can. And then you got to know there's something good in there. 
Now, what yeah. the situation will dictate where they go. I always tell people, man, like some people say I'm the nicest thing down here. That's true. Some people say I'm the meanest. That's true too. Which one you want, right? That's how it works. Exactly. Like whichever yeah, situation, whichever you want out of me, bring it on. Yep. They will dictate. <laughs> they will tell you how you want them to be treated. Well, that's really the best way to put it. Is you will you will tell me how you want to be treated, and I will treat you accordingly. And I, I can be as as nice as a British butler, or uh, I can be the you know your worst nightmare as well. Uh, but let's let's kind of keep it on the, on the good side. That's quite, what you hope for is a nice, quiet night with you know nice, peaceful people. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not always like that. Having a good time because you can be rowdy and having a great time. What did an exactly. average night look like? Average night in New York City mm-hmm. in, in the seven five or the four four. You'd you'd start your tour. You might hear gunshots in the distance as you're waiting for you to get your car when you go outside the the police station. You'll hear gunshots in the distance at times, and. The the queue on the 911 calls will probably be six or seven or 10 deep just in your sector alone. Uh, and then you get in your car and then you, you just don't stop. So they the, the 911 operator would give you calls according to precedent. So you go to your robberies, your assaults, your your shootings, you know, first, and you roll up and suddenly now it, it's on you. Like you, you are you are the master of chaos. There's no one else, you know, you know, telling you what to do. You're there with your partner and you have to handle this complex situation that you're dealing across cultural lines and throwing in the yeah yeah that's that's the biggest thing What you, did, what you can't appreciate is the fact that it almost as if, if the people who should be the judges down here, either you, you need to be blind, right? Like our people who are born blind, they should be our judges. Or the, you have to be a police officer for a long time because not only do you have to speak different languages and understand different slangs and cultures inside that language, that's the thing. It's like you can literally go from one block to the other where something they let it slide and the other one they don't. And it's, right. it's a thing. Or, or how, to, how to treat... You you treat everyone the same with respect, but you have to kind of look 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 for the cues. Correct, right? Because some people get with, upset when they're like profanity. Like there's some people that every other word they use, and I mean motivational speakers. Yeah. Every other word they use is a is a mother this or that the other, and and there's some people that they can't handle that. The minute you no. say it, they're, they're, they'll get scared. It's like a bark. Right. And it's yeah. probably because they got brought up when someone used that on them. It was for discipline. But then there's some people who use that just for slang. And it, and it, and that and it's if you don't understand that whole point. It's like sending a 19 to 20 year old to deal with some 40 year old or late 30 year olds in a problem. Right. It's like age is rank. It's like, hey, age, right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like dealing like with with the local Shura in Afghanistan. Like if you're if you're the fresh faced kid without a beard, you're not getting that respect. Oh, so. that's huge over there. That's that's right. all that is over there. That's why they grow right. those damn beards. Right. It's same thing. Same, kind of same thing in the streets. I, I'll walk in as you know, as I got older, I'd walk in and. I could kind of empathize with with the with the fellow sitting there. Like, hey, look, I get it, man. I get it, all right? But this is this is where we're at right now, all right? And you, you understand my situation. You understand your situation. Right here, we have a problem, and we have to solve this problem. Uh, because the, the guys that taught me taught taught me to to talk someone into handcuffs. You can go out and you could fight everyone you want every night if you're looking for a fight, and and your career will be short and you'll be hurt a lot. Sure. The idea is to talk to people. Get them off the ledge and have them cuff themselves. Right? How smooth? Right? Yes. For everybody. It's like that Wolf of Wall Street. Street. Sell me this pen. Hey, man. Let's see if you can talk this. I bet you. You know. 
See if you could talk this sucker into putting them on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll hit them from that angle. Oh, yeah. And that comes with uh, rank, too, ages rank. Because when we come age in, they, they have us so fired up. When we, go, when we come out of our training facilities into there, it's like, I don't remember being taught that part. But it, that comes with, with work and everything. Because, you know, you run into somebody, some lady, it's somebody's mom or somebody's sister, someone's brother, right. someone's dad. I mean, I, you know, you get, and we all have those days. Everyone has a Hell, most people have hard days all the time right yeah we get that that comes with that too but um yeah you're you're right the ability to roll in, into those situations like those guys with great sense of humors like it just yep. d- disarm anybody it doesn't matter what has been going down you walk in there and as soon as that sucker opens his mouth everyone's like oh just calm right right i mean there should be a test in school like the class clowns or the people who are good at that you're too bad you're our cops it's it. We're That's going it. in. Because- hey, you're going in with that. The hardest dude we got, put him with the funniest bastard we got, and let them go do their deal and make everybody happy and, and want to go to jail. <laughs> yeah, because you you lower you lower the pressure. Yeah, you lower, you lower the pressure lower, immediately. And, and all people want is, is be respected. They, they, if they know, even they, they know they're going to get arrested, you know, they want to be treated with 100%. respect. I'll, I'll cuff a guy, and, and after the fight's over, all right, the fight's over. But, hey, you lost, I won. Let's let's move on with the game here. Is Now you're getting booked, and we'll just do it nice and quietly, and I'll, I'll get you out as fast as I can. Yeah. So those are those the, the men and women that train me, and, and God bless them, because they, 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 they probably saved me more than once. And, and what is that? That's, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. That, that I had there played off in the military as well, because those same skills that I learned on the streets of Brooklyn and the Bronx paid dividends in – Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. Yeah. It's a, that cadre that put us, I mean, because the, the storms put me through, and it's almost if they were they were so mean, but I knew they, they were doing it, they weren't going to kill me, and I knew that it was for a purpose. And if you got that little disclaimer going for you, you're good. <laughs> right? Because that's the only way you can kind of, they had to teach us how to handle those hard situations when they came in on top of us. It's like, oh, you know. Right. Yeah, they got to they ratchet the pressure up um, so you can handle it when it does get to that level. Right, the idea right. is not to get to that level. Yes, 100%. That's why they take us there. I, I would tell people, I was like, man, our training is, is twice as hard as anything we've ha- ever had to go into. Hands I mean, down. guys Hands die down. more than just in the damn training. Yeah. And that's the thing with us. And that actually perpetuates our guys to, I mean, we wouldn't want to back off the line, but we damn sure hold it. And, yep. then, and then we keep pushing it until we're like, we figure out what that is. And we just keep going with it. And we keep going until we hit a, another one. Then we'll hold the line and then keep going. Yep. And, um, it's its own kind of fire. I remember yeah. when we were going through the guy, the, what got us in was like, hey, man, this is the hardest thing. You're probably going to die. Ain't nobody going to like you. Like, sweet. That's what I need. <laughs> what was I reading the other day? He's like, he flipped this card on me and said, honor. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> Courage. Yeah. And it's like, yes. Winner. I was like, that just calls to people. He said, I'll take them all. I'll take them all. That's what he said. He goes, I'll take every one of them. <laughs> Collect them all. What, that is true. Were you in New York for 9 11? So I was actually off that day. Uh, thank God. Um, so I, I, I worked midnights my entire career. So my entire career was spent on midnight patrol. So midnight patrol would end up right around seven thirty in the morning. We get off duty. Uh, so that's when, graveyard, uh, right? What, yeah. Working the yeah, night, the that, graveyard. That, that, some yeah. people pull that off. I mean, night and days, right? Some people love working it's the day. Com- and, completely different worlds. Yeah, completely, completely different. Worlds. Operate completely different. But when the, uh, when the towers got hit, we got a, you know, a mass call out. And remember, this is back in you know 2001. Not everyone had a cell phone. You know, the internet wasn't a, a, that, as big as it is now. So, you they wanted to get a head count of who was left because at that point, you know, first reports are never correct. So, everyone responded back to their precinct. Now, luckily, I was um I had I actually had gotten in an accident with my jeep. So, 
I had a, a rental car that looked like an Impala, so it looked like a police car. So I, I flew into work. People were just, you know, parting the seas. I got right to work. And really, it was a headcount to see who was left. Yeah. Because, wow. um, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen next. And we were on edge because at that point, you didn't know what was going to happen. And people were scared. And the city was, was on edge. So they wanted all hands on deck just in case. Man, y'all did well. Mm-hmm. We're talking Pardon? about that. Y'all did great. New York, I'm, I'm y'all's biggest fan. If you ain't picked that up yet, man, because y'all did great. When we got punched in the face he like that, we New did, York man. City. Y'all got, I mean, y'all are kind of our chin, dude. And it took, it came down in there like that, that destroyed it. Boom. And uh, I was, I was in by now. I was, tra- I, I was training up. I, and you want to talk about adding a freaking lighter fluid to a fire? Our, our generation, we were sitting there watching that go down. And it was like, come on. <laughs> yeah. But, and the way y'all and took you- that, and the way, because coming out of there, everyone, I, I was saying something about when we were church here. They was like, man, you want to know what it's like to be covered in sackcloth and ash? That's what happened to y'all. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. And I'm watching y'all come out of that, man, and just and your heads come up, and then those American flags come up, and y'all just y'all kept going. That's what perpet- perpetuated us. My favorite coin that I have in posters is that firefighter and cop handing that American flag down to us, the military guys, and like, yep. we'll take it from here. All right? Yeah. Just hold the fort. We'll be right back. You know, that, that kind of mentality... I will, I will tell you that that got us through when we're down at, at, at uh, on the ground zero digging through all that crap. A lot of my friends knew I was in the military um, and they wanted to know, hey, what's going to happen? And I remember sitting sitting down after we just spent 12 hours digging. I'm like, look, guys, don't worry. Right. Because I know for a fact right now there are guys like you, like SOCOM, like JSOC that are going to go out there and get ours back. So we just have to hold it here. Right. But don't worry. Folks are going to get ours back. And to this day. You know, every time I, I meet, you know, I meet a member of the community, I, I thank them on behalf of the NYPD in New York City because that's what got us through. That really what got us through. Oh, we y'all we sure did, alone. man. How was the activity of the city beyond just that camaraderie that, that the people had from that day? What about other crime? Was it quiet during that moment? Those no, moments? It, it, it did quiet down a bit only because we flooded the streets. So at, we immediately went to twelve-hour shifts, twelve on, twelve off, and we had cops everywhere. Yeah, and and for a time there was there was a lull. Folks were were always were in shock. They were in shock. I had people in you know in the ghetto come up to me and say, "Hey man, you know, I would never admit saying this, but but thanks for what you guys did," and then walk away. Like there was a truce. So like, hey, we we see what you guys did because you know folks ran into the like folks ran into the buildings to help complete strangers. Nobody was asking you know what you looked like, who you were, who you voted for, none of that crap. They knew that there were people in that building and we had to get them out because that's our job, right? And, and they did that. And they, they saw in, in full, full effect the, the, the lengths that we will go to, you know, to, to verify that, that contract we had between protector and protectee. Sure. And, and our, our job was to be that line between the chaos and, and them. And, and, and we did that. And, you know, oh, y'all did, did fantastic. And there's nothing else will get an American's attention like when you slap us, when you punch us like that. And that, and what right. you just said will show you that. Because there's Americans, and then there's the American way of life. And all, even them Gs, those OGs, corner boys, all them uh, capos, lieutenants, that's, the, that's their life. That's the hustle. That's part of it. That, that's the role they play down here. And when we all get hit and you step out and be like, hey, man, what, like, why would you help him? It's because he's American. He's my brother. I love him to death. We play our cat and mouse games. We do our things. But if you come in here, try to interrupt from that, and you get both of our attentions focused on you, stand right. by. And I mean, that's what happened. It's like once everybody pointed to give somebody something to get upset about, and you could feel that energy through America. 
Yeah. I mean, everyone was in a fired up good. I mean, it was something that was, it drove us in such a direction. Hell, when we showed up over there, it was a different story altogether. Yeah. It was game on. <laughs> I mean, we kind of swat through there like you couldn't believe. <laughs> I know because we were there. So were you still <laughs> yeah, right. in the National Guard? I, I was, yeah. So I knew, I, I immediately knew what my life was going to be like. So I, I'd done a, a student of history and I kind of had, you know, had, uh, had feelers in the, in the community and whatnot. And I knew what this war would look like. Cause I'd studied past wars like this before in Northern Ireland, in South America, in Israel. And I knew, all right, this is a new way of fighting and we're going to be perpetually at this. Cause I know the enemy isn't going to stop because they tried it once in 93 you know, uh, the first world yeah. uh, twin towers bombing. So you knew, all right, this is what it's going to be like. And we just started getting ready. And that's, uh, so I knew that I knew that the call was going to come and my unit initially didn't, didn't get the call up immediately for the invasion into, into Iraq. Uh, so I had volunteered, a bunch of us had volunteered to go with an MP unit that needed a lot of help. So that started, uh, a bunch of, a bunch of tours over there, leaving the NYPD, then heading back out and bringing a, a bit, of, a bit of anger, you know, a, a bit, a bit of revenge, but also the skills needed to, to kind of go over there and and solve, you know, the problems they gave us. Wow! Uh, I was, I was oh, they killed, they killed some of our women. Mm-hmm. That's right. all I needed. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I didn't know you much know, like, about New York besides I, you know, I, it was, but when when the women started falling down, I was like, okay, you want to get all of our attention? Start doing some stuff like that. Mm, yeah, I remember that. Sure. No, we, we spent some long days, long days down ground zero and, and you, you see that and you see it. And, and I'd seen it before. I'd seen it before in Kuwait. I'd seen it before in, in Mogadishu, the chaos and the, the actual destruction. But here it was in my hometown. Mm. Like it was, it was now real, very real. Uh, and the shock that, that was on us was quite a bit. New York was in a, in a state of shock for quite some time. Yeah. We put up a good front, but we were, we were probably one hit away from crumbling. Like God, thank God nothing else happened because People were in just an absolute state of shock. Well, that's what Texas is for. <laughs> yeah. Man, y'all got hit like that, man. We're down here in the shoulders. I'm like, get your ass back up. Come on. Republic, <laughs> Republic thereof. There you go. What are you talking about? We ain't going to let y'all go down? Man, y'all got to get through us before that happens. <laughs> that's so awesome. What? Yeah, man. It was awesome to see how the how all the New Yorkers responded with patriotism, and that just caught like wildfire throughout the whole u.s i mean everybody was had their flags out and doing everything they could to just promote their patriotism and love of country the the level of support was unimaginable i now realize you know you people wonder how how could the pyramids be built by humans and seeing what happened down on ground zero was very evident because you could have walked down there naked Mm -hmm. and within five minutes you had coveralls you had a helmet you had a bucket, you had shovels, you had food. Uh, it's just anything that, that could happen. And, and we moved tons and tons and tons of debris by hand, you know, just by, by buckets looking, you know, looking hey, for folks. That, and that's after we got hit. Mm-hmm. That's not after a victory. Mm-hmm. No, no. Like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? This is, I mean, working like that after we got hit. And, I, and, and the thing about it was, is like all the rest of us stayed back because we didn't know what was going on. If we all wanted, you talk about pyramid, ain't nothing to build if we all want to do it. 
Right. There was a tower back in the day. We think we might have built, got smacked down as too. We're like if we all working <laughs> together, like instead of pissing off and going at it with the Russians, if we you notice when we're when we're friends, like we build rocket ships and like we got. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, we, the things that we do when we're working together is far more uh, uh, it's, it's, constructive than when we're fighting each other, for sure. Yeah, and it was no, there was no organization. It, it was self-organized. That's right. There yeah, was no, there was no head of Ground Zero. You went down there after Help. your tour. It's like when you're helping. That's different. Yeah, and then you you, you jumped online. You started moving buckets. So you're, yeah. you're looking for friends too. You're like, hey, is so and so still alive? That was great. If, if you met a friend you thought that was dead, it was like a brand new day. Oh, like thank thank God you're I couldn't alive. even imagine that, that. We still didn't know. There wasn't cell phones back then, or there was. No. It's kind of a weird time, man. It was in that transition with, but no yeah. tech, new and, and light tech. It wasn't even good tech. It was just. I didn't have a cell phone yet. The the, the documentaries they play nowadays from the different camera views that, that did show up, man, that's something. Mm-hmm. But, and obviously the sentiment now has changed a lot with the public and first responders and the relationship. You know they're. It's not what it was, you know, 20 years ago. What do you, what, what kind of advice do you have for the future generation of first responders, new police officers, new firefighters, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, you know, like I say, it's tough, but we, we've been here before and I try and put it in perspective. We're kind of in, in a dark period now as well, but you know what? We take the, the talk about the seventies. We're kind of back in the seventies right now. We're, we're coming out of a long war that was somewhat unpopular maybe. All right, so we're coming out of that long war. We we have problems economically. We have problems socially. We've been here before, right? It was called the '60s and '70s and early '80s, right? We had Russia knocking on, on the door uh, on Eastern Europe. We had you know we had we had South America, Central America on fire. Nicaragua, El Salvador, those areas. Uh, police officers were getting shot in New York City, targeted. So we've been here before. And what got us out of that 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 morass was going back to the principles of what this what made this country great and i think you're seeing that now right because you know people oh yeah are being absolutely called out finally. yeah 100 so yeah. it the, the ship the ship turns it turns slowly but it's, it's going to turn so I, I tell these younger cops and whatnot you know what you got you got to hold that line man because it's tough right now it's in new york city we just had two cops shot a couple of days ago one one was one was killed one's fighting for his life right now we've had five officers shot in new york city in january yeah we've been and watching was, that we just yeah, had one in Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. we had an um, officer shot in Houston in yesterday in Houston, uh, yeah. Harris County Sheriff, I think. But, yeah, precinct five or seven. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, man, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, we all have our wars go, that we're going through. I mean, it's, that's, cops sign up to be in that situation. Man, they brought back train robberies in California. Can you believe it? I mean, how great is that? <laughs> they brought back train robberies. I just saw that. So... When you sign up to be the police, the hard times, that that's the ones that bring that that brings the real police. I mean, after 9-11, this isn't a shot, man, but with the, the days when that when you guys went through that afterwards, when everyone was coming in, there was that when she was talking about was there a flow after that, it was. Yeah. And that that flow, then it then it'll shift back to the streets. America, yep. man, we wave like the flag. We do. It's it pen, it's a pendulum back Absolutely. And forth. Right now we're up. If on you the don't like end. the times, wait, they'll change. If you like them, yeah. wait, they'll change. They will. Uh, but you got to tell them, like, you're like, you're it. Like, literally, you're it. You are that final line that's that's protecting folks. Right. Without 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 you guys, uh, you know, doing that, it really is. We've seen chaos come back to, to homes and families and neighborhoods. And we don't want that. Neither do the people. Sure. So you, you try and tell them, you know, keep your head down. You know, hope hope's never a method or, 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 or a strategy. But keep your head down. Look after your partner. Do the right thing. And, uh, you know, it. 
times will change hopefully once once but you have to you're that line because without you then the barbarians are at the gate and they come through the gate yeah yeah um, but i tell you i was more stressed working midnight shift in the south bronx than i was overseas during like a three-day reconnaissance set like 10 miles from al-qaeda camp when i would come back from, from tours of duty i actually felt more stressed in the city than i did in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, or, or whatnot, because it was just a different mindset. You had more freedom over there. You had more responsibility, and you had less pressure from the politics and whatnot. So, oh, yeah. Well, that's our countrymen over here. Right. Like we said, it's still it's, it's the game. Like ultimately, yeah. like, hey, I, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> if you go all the way down to it, if we had to pull titles and stuff away, it's just us here doing this, making this thing work. And then we got to have something to do in it. And that's how the game works. That's right. the hustle and, and everything. That's how it had to get explained to me when I was over there. And that's how I would pass that down to my new guys. I was like, hey, man, we're the, we became like the police for overseas. Right. And then the people we're going after are gangs and like which yep. ones we, we yep. would go after. So I've, when I started thinking about it like that and then the perspective of the city guys, like I didn't grow up around that stuff. I mean, watching it, I, 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 I understand. Saw it too, but you know, as well as I do, man, once you get in there, <laughs> rodeo is a little different. So, yep. um, and that's how you learn. The streets teach you fast. Yeah. It's it like the, the, the transition during, the, yeah, the transition during ascension is perspective. I mean, it kind of gives you a vantage point that you can't see just by reading it. We were talking earlier. It's like, Hey man, something comes like block like this. And then something gets thrown at you and you're trying to block and like, well, I didn't, it didn't work for me that way. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was dynamic. It's so it was, yeah, dynamic. My, my experiences, you're walking a beat in Brooklyn and, and, and the Bronx paid off when I had to go into quote unquote dangerous places in Baghdad. Oh, well, I'd been here before. Yeah. It was called the Pink Houses, housing projects in Brooklyn. I've, I'm used to this. This is these are these are my people. I get them, right? right? Like I'm not afraid to do this because I know, I know this. I know the the dangers. But but hey, we got a job to do, and you know we're it. We signed up for it. So those those, those techniques, you know, kind of pass off on each other. So you went to Iraq and Afghanistan. So you did Mogadishu, and. You were there in Europe when the wall... Did you say you were there when the wall went down? Just after, just afterwards. Okay. Yeah. And then you were in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, you got good ones, man. You went through, like, all of our current war history. Yeah, I, I often tell people, because I, I think it's a total of six, you know, Desert Storm, Somalia, two tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. I, I recycled. It's like, you know how you, you recycle bugs or, or ranger school? I just kept recycling <laughs> the war. Back, it kept me back till I got right. it right. It's like that gunny kept giving up his rank. <laughs> Yeah, like what, weren't you a yep. gunnery sergeant? I was like, how are you in a private? Like, well, a new war. That's crazy though. Hey, there's guys like that. They love it. Well, that's him. I, that's crazy. Like, you hear about them Korea? Was it Korea Vietnam uh, or World War II Korea Vietnam guys? Korea Vietnam. Yeah, those, those guys. Are hat guys. I, I just had a bad. I had a bad travel agent. All right. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, had, I had six. I, there's guys out there with twelve. There's guys have done a ton more. I was just. Uh, oh yeah, sure. I was like, just lucky in in the fact that I was I was. Um, in good units with, with good people. And I can literally say and look you dead in the eye. And for my 22 years as a cop and 32 years in the service, both active in the guard, 
I, I work with heroes every day. I saw heroism every single day. And that, that leaves an imprint on you. And those guys will, and girls will never be talked about. There'll never be a movie made about them. There'll never be a book written wrote, wrote yeah. about them. But I know, I know what I saw with my own two eyes. And I saw heroism almost every single day, be it the streets of New York or, or the streets of, of, of Afghanistan. And that's, how, how do you put that in words? I was just blessed. Sure. That's what I was. I was blessed. Man, when you're talking about it, like when it comes to us and our line of work, the uniform services, it's like if you're focused on one of them, they're that they're a reaction of of every every guy and girl they're around, and you're so you're right. I mean, some of those stories, the funniest, the hardest I've ever laughed in the situations oh, to watch Dude, humans splitting. go through. Some I'd be like, what, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, you yeah. can't make it up. You couldn't. Some some of them are so Cannot. unbelievable. You're just like, that is why. Why do you keep coming back? Because of that, right? Yep. Because whatever because, that because is. What, whatever, however, that that gift that we have to get in those situations to perpetuate that and and the calamity and comedy that comes out of that, they're gonna make it's, the boss himself laugh out loud, right? Is is you split so split worth your side. it? I remember, I remember being, being trapped behind a wall in in Mogadishu with my spotter Ron, and, and we're we're getting pinned on with, with machine gun fire, and we're cracking up because there's nowhere to go, and we're trying to hide behind like a three foot wall. We're kind of big guys, and we're just cracking up because. What can you but laugh? And so you, if you spend time like that with, with, with men and women like that, damn it! Like you, you, it's almost like a drug. It is. It is. Oh, it most certainly is a drug. One hundred percent drug. Laughing and, like that, and there, I, it must be something in our body, the human condition, that when you get pushed a certain distance in, in pain or chaos, that the the humor there's a humor vibe that pokes right in at the right time. Yeah. That that allows you to get through that, and yeah. that's the spice I'm talking about. Whatever right. that is, is so real. And you can only see it. You, I mean, you can only experience it if you're in it, right? You you can't you cannot explain it. Uh, you can, you can't watch a YouTube video on it. You you can't watch. You have to be in that moment. Yeah. And and some people, and that's why we go through such tough evolutions of training because the people who can't do that usually wash out. Sure. Right. Because you get to a point now you start now you start bitching now you start complaining now you all right you're out but you have to you have to kind of flip that switch and embrace that pain before that pain embraces you. Oh sure. Well, because, there's complaining and bitching in the moment. The the good yep. way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are you know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, there, there are some of our guys that are so professional at how they bitch and complain. It's an art. <laughs> it's it's, an it's art so form. motivating. It's like an and I, like, they're really having a horrible time in doing it. And I mean, it's the funniest damn thing you've ever seen. You keep them around just for that. They're their own to. little unique <laughs> item, whatever they're called, man. It's hilarious. They yeah. exist for sure. I got a tough question for you. How do you, main, how, how do you stay a good cop when you're jumping back and forth between both stages, right? Like you said, there was like a big difference between being overseas and then being back on your own streets and having a totally different political way that you can handle that situation. How do right. you how do you handle that stress? You know what? The, the same way the same way you handle it uh, overseas, right? Because you you're still regulated by laws and morality. Yeah, and that's you know that's that's where that's where it comes into play. You have to remind yourself that you know you have you know moral courage, spiritual courage, and physical courage, and you have to rely on those three. Uh, in, in any aspect of your life to include your jobs. And luckily my interactions with, you know, with either with Iraqis or Afghans are kind of the same reaction I had with the people in, in, in the South Bronx. You know, you, you, you can smell bullshit a mile away. You make sure that you treat them with respect, but you make sure that you let them know that if there's a fight, I'm going to win yeah. right? because I am undefeated, right? You have to be undefeated on the streets and I am undefeated, right? Because I had to be, because life depended on it. So you just, uh, you, you, you're guided by the constitution, you're guided by laws, but more or less, more or less you're, you're guided by your own morality. And that's stemmed from my, my, my mother. 
The first day I went out to work as a cop, she's sitting there, tears in her eyes. And uh, so I'm walking out. She's like, son, remember to be just. That was it. She summed up eight months in the academy in that one sentence. Remember to be just. And that, that, that was, that's the guiding light right there. You can't beat that. I mean, there's the code. There's morality, like laws are the collective morality of all of our people. That's what you have to follow. And then there's the there's the military code that we have to follow. And then there's a street code that each individual neighborhood follows. Right. Oh, there's lots of gray lines. Like, we, oh yeah, man. Push, there's all we push the gray lines all that, the time. That's like, where we're the gray man. Yeah, the gray man <laughs> for sure. And you know, right. when somebody steps out of that car that's badder than you, you will settle down. And, and, and the barking and yelling and screaming, and that's part of it. I, we, we get that. Sure. But if, if the collective morality, if the, if, like with our leadership, if they're not enforcing that code, then the streets won't follow it either. No. And no, that, you, I, that, I, I, that a, in itself weakens the law enforcement, no matter right, how powerful I'm, I'm representative of the people of New York. Correct. Or, or, and or, that, the, or the country. And the, the cops that affect are the ones that aren't supposed to be out there on the streets. We know the – I mean, I'm talking about like we get beat up anywhere. No matter if you, right. if you don't have that badge and gun, no one would listen to you. Right. And I'm sorry, the laws of the streets dictates that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It is. You command presence. And that presence is, <laughs> I mean, it's is, just is, a damn thing. And if you send somebody out, respect 100%. If you, yeah. if you walk out there and you didn't put the work in and, and they can sniff that, stand by, man. You better hope that, that the leadership and everybody around them is, is solid because then otherwise people are always going to mess with it. Is right. your mom still alive? No, she passed away between my uh, second and third tour. So I, I'd come back my first tour in Iraq, and I, my, my real unit, the, the LERS unit, was getting ramped up. So I immediately switched back to them and then went right back to Iraq. So during that three-month period of time, luckily, uh, she, she caught cancer while I was overseas on my first tour in Iraq in 2003. And then you know, passed away, fortunately, before I left. I didn't want to have to, you know, I wanted to go with a clear conscience and know that, she was at peace and whatnot. So yeah, she uh, she passed away uh, in 2006. She sounds then, incredible. Uh, Did any of was. your siblings join the service too? No, no. Um, I'm 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 fairly unique uh, from my generation, right? Because even in the New York area, there aren't that many veterans up here. Like it really is a local business when you come down to it. Really? Like there, yeah, you won't find a whole lot of veterans. Huh. Or or my friend, if it wasn't for me, my friends wouldn't know a veteran. And wow. I have quite a few friends, and they wouldn't know a veteran. Uh, but you know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my cousin uh, Sean and a good friend of mine's uh, son Shane went to the Marine Corps. Oh wow! And so that next generation, I, and I, I, I never pressured them. They came to me for for, for questions and, and and advice. But I, you know, I never want to pressure someone to follow yeah, quote yeah. unquote my footsteps. Right. And I don't know if I don't know if maybe if I was a motivation or not. Don't know, but you know they. You know, they, they stepped up, you know, Shane comes from a, a Marine Corps family and, uh, you know, Sean, you know, his grandfather was an Irish immigrant, was my, was my dad's brother. So, you know, there's a, there's that next step, you know, stepping up in there. That's awesome. Do, do you have kids? No, no, I, I, you know, 
stayed single the uh, the entire time. Uh, almost got married a few times, but uh, probably for the better. Be given my career choices. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots of divorced uh, cops out there, and uh, it's, it was a tough. It would have been a tough. After after 9-11, I knew kind of what my future was going to be like, and I knew it wasn't going to be very good for for anything else but going to war, coming back, oh, and sure. going to war and coming back. Yeah, so, we stay, made sure we stayed single for that too. Right, you know. So uh, I was a rule in so our I, family: no wife, no kids, zero to forty. I didn't make it. I, you know, she rolled into my life, but definitely while you're in. <laughs> the more boys right. that get that done are special. So are the ladies. Uh, hard, that's, that's the hardest detail right there is being a the, e- immense, the, immense I mean, pride uh, and, and for mad, those guys, so much respect it, for that. Respect, <laughs> mad respect. So you're mad still respect. not married? No, no, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working, uh, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying being the retired life now. I retired from the military uh, last year, retired from the police department, you know, three years ago. So I'm catching up on a lot of work uh, and then working through that, that transition. Right, that yeah, that's huge. To- the transition's big. For, I, I say for every 10 you're in, it takes two to detox. So like really I really come I'm, down I'm off coming, that ladder. I'm coming from two, two, I know. two very, very hard identities, and that scared me. Right, that really did scare me. That's a bit crazy because you, you, like, I know of the horror stories right. of guys leaving both both services because there's such a strong identity with them, and I didn't want that to be me. And and sure, it, it almost was. But I remember an old timer telling me really good advice when I first got on the job as a cop, and it applied to the military as well. He's like, "Look, kid, he's like, someday you're going to take that uniform off." So don't let your identity be that uniform, right? Because you have to take that uniform off, put it away, and then you're stuck with a guy who wore it. And if you don't like him, you're going to have a very hard retirement. Uh, so I, I made sure to try and find like what my identity was. And, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't the uniform itself. It wasn't the, the, the power or whatnot. It was the fact that, and I didn't really realize, realize this until later on, uh, is the camaraderie. It's the, it's the, the sacrifice to something greater than yourself. And it's, you know, it's the physical, the physical, moral, and spiritual challenges that those careers faced me. And so now I spend my, my retirement life looking for that and they're out there. So if you're, if you're retired or you're thinking about retiring out there, guys, like they're out there, you can, you can transition and find those same things that, that got your blood pumping on the outside. Oh, as well. Not what only that, do? there's avenues and, and re- I mean, all kinds of stuff. That's, that's Huge. the best part about our our generation. It's like our skins. All right, right. My kid plays this game called Fortnite. Man, they change yeah, the skins. Fortnite, out on. Yeah. You know what I'm and, Axe plays that. You don't play that. Axe played that first. I'm yeah, sure. right. Axe exactly. Plays yeah, that. yeah. And I mean, it's, it's for us. Like when, when we're in, in, we're like, well, all right. When I was having to go underwater, I had a different type of skin. When I was in right. the desert, and then I, like with firefighters, police officers, military, it's just like, hey, man, transition out of that one uniform, and you can look back and see what you're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no telling. I mean, we're we're a bunch of everything. To try yeah, to we can, say we can like, do anything, oh, we can do anything. Yeah, man, that's not a thing anymore. You can't do that. No. No, you can't even probably think like that, man. It's like you're just you're just different. It's like you only got one day down here. What do you want to do for that day? Be that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the hobbies that you do that you would suggest to other veterans? Sure. So uh, you know, first and foremost, we, we like we like physical, we like physical challenges. So I think that's why you know, things like CrossFit, my buddy Marine, uh buddy of mine, Ryan Hansen, owns a CrossFit gym nearby. So that group suffering is a thing. It's a thing, And yeah. civilians are, are realizing it now, right? That's why all these adventure races oh, and yeah, CrossFit are so popular. Hell, we were doing that back in like 92 <laughs> in a sense. Are you kidding Georgia. me? You make money whipping <laughs> your ass like that, man? It's yeah. freaking terrible. Like, folks are paying to go to Buds now. <laughs> Can you believe that? That's amazing. Uh, I know. So, good so good I for that. them. Uh, 
And then again, more more challenges. So I I am the by far the oldest guy in the uh, Hendo Gracie Warwick Jiu Jitsu School up here in Warwick, New York, led by Dave Maver. Uh, I walk in at 50 years old, and I'm rolling with kids literally half my age. And I get I get my ass handed to me every single day by kids half my age. Oh, that's but, humbling. Yeah, I, that happened to me. 17 yeah. year old purple belt turned me inside out one time. I'll never oh, forget. Just, I got, I got eight, like 17 year old, 17 year old 17, blue belts are tearing me up. They're terrible. But Those pur- purple belt 17 year olds. Them dudes, you, if that combo walks on a mat with you, walk off. She's going to tear you up. But again, it's that, it's that, it's that challenge because what right do I have to complain? Like I have both my legs, I'm alive, and I've been blessed and lucky throughout my entire career. So, yeah, stepping on the mat is a victory for me, just right there and then, because I am blessed enough to be able to do this. When I know for a fact I got friends out there that can't do it, and friends out there that, that aren't around anymore to do it, so it's up to me to continue doing this. Um, and that's 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 what gets me up those stairs. Is what gets me on the mat. That gets me sweating because pain means I'm still alive. Oh yeah, and that's that's huge because that was part of that's part of my identity was I was always in pain in the military, 80 pound rucks, night jumps, long movements, oh. pain was, pain was an identity. Can you believe that? And I try, man, I look back at some of the stuff they put us through. I was like, you know, that's torture, right? Yeah. I mean, leaving us underwater that long. You think that's funny? I didn't think that's funny now. I think funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I to, cool yeah, back I then. School and they told me I had to punch me face and they proved it. Right. <laughs> like, wait a minute, this is a thing. And you're like, it sure is, man. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but the thing about it coming out, it's like, not, not what you, because you have all the skills. Yeah. That, that's the coolest part that, with the uniform. You just take that off. And it's actually for every uniform. You pass it down. Somebody else gets to put their name on it. And right. our camouflage denotes when we went through, like our skin, yeah. our skin tone. <laughs> yeah. Like if you see a camo pattern, you know who they are. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. And, and we inadvertently, that happens, I think. It's just language that we speak that no one else does because, and, and I'm not talking about regular military code. I'm just talking about the stuff that happens in between the life. That's <laughs> it. That's it. It's That's so great. TV yeah, it's so great. And um, those but guys coming out, man, it's like, hey, what do you want to do? We, we talked about, right. man, what would a utopia be? Like that, that watch you could see yourself on? Uh, yeah. Like that was, that was futuristic. I never even had one of those. Right. right. That, that, that phone right there, you could touch a picture and it shows up. So we're living yeah. in our fantasy it's world. It's crazy. Yeah. We've, and, and our veterans, as veterans, plus we, the, the, the last 20 years, we've been forced to adapt so quickly to such an ever changing environment, so dynamic on the battlefield that, you know, nothing to take away from World War II or the other wars, but it was fairly linear and oh, yeah. fairly like, hey, get to Berlin and you're going to win. Oh. Uh, our, our events were, hey, this block, you're doing this thing. That block, you're doing that thing. That province is all, all fine, but that province is on fire. You were wearing multiple hats, so you can do that on the outside world and run circles around people. Yeah. Uh, just have to get there and believe yourself and, and, and know that you're, you're bringing in skills that, you know, mostly it's your heart, right? It's your motivation and what, what you have up here in your head. It's a, it's a great thing. All right, so what now? What it, what, how can people... Man, keep up with you. What can we do for you? Because we're going to push you out, man. I, once you get done here. It's... So so I tell you what, there's, there's a great, I belong to a great club. It's called the Round Canopy Parachute Team, RCPT. They're down in Florida. It's a bunch of veterans. Where's that Navy, at in Florida? Air Force, uh, Palatka, Florida. And, what is it? Uh, What's they, it called? Uh, they jump. Palatka? <laughs> uh, Where's that? Black. It's uh, just about north, uh, it's north of uh, Orlando, south of Jacksonville. And it's a... a Five hundred one three C. Sounds like a New York word. Palooka. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Palatka. 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 <laughs> uh, 
and the uh, the RCPT, uh, it's a great veterans organization. We actually jump. You can come down, non-qualify. We'll put you through a jump school and get you up doing stack line jumps out of C-47s, out of out of, out of of Hueys, out of any anything that flies. Are we all get, and, oh, you got guys that are flying down there? Yeah, we have, we'll bring an aircraft. We'll bring it in a, a couple of C-47s. Oh, that's cool. That, that so you got boys coming jump. in to fly. And, oh, that's nice. That's yeah. cool, man. So it's a great place for veterans to go. And for like a weekend or for a couple of days, you're around your own kind doing crazy stuff. Now that's a VA party. Like a, or a, it, it is. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you want to get the boys Dude. together around the bar. Yeah, but get the helos out and, and yep. that's, that's cool. That's what happens. And and we have literally, they have literally saved lives. Because it's someplace where you can go, you can be a Joe again for a weekend with some crazy dudes that like jump out of airplanes, swap stories. We'll bring in, you will bring in speakers. Uh, oh, sure. Speakers. That's a thing. And it just, you, you have thing. to, it's I huge. mean, the wife lets me do that. Still do that. I, like, you go off into the middle of the woods or a ranch with your friends, act like a complete yep. idiot, come back and be, you know, what you're supposed to be. I don't let him yeah. jump out of airplanes anymore. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> but I, yeah. You can jump out of them. That's fine. There's, there's a few but, things um, that, that the, are on the reservoir. The one thing I, I'd like to say is is there's, there's somewhere, it's been a bad couple of months between Afghanistan and what's happening in New York and, and cops around around the, the country. And, and right now there's there's a cop or, or a veteran or, or a civilian out there having their worst day of their life. And that they're watching this, and and they're they're at the edge, man. They're they're at they're at the, at the edge of the, the precipice, and the demons are out of the closet, and they're pushing them into that that abyss. And I'm here to tell them, don't don't jump in, right? don't quit on yourself, right? Don't you never quit on me? I, that's why I tell folks who are on that edge, you never quit on me when I was overseas. You came and got me out of an ambush. You came up up ten flights of stairs while I was fighting for my life in, in Brooklyn. You sent me get well cards or, or or packages from 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 your home. You didn't quit on me. So I, I don't want you to quit on yourself, right? Because because I'm not going to quit on you. I know Marcus isn't going to quit on you. God's not going to quit on you. So you make it you make it to tomorrow. We had to say it overseas. You know, make it to the next sunrise because every sunrise is a victory. So if you're at that edge, fight back to the demons and make it to sunrise, and and, and we'll and we'll be there for you. Um, and that's that's really really important. That's awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. God's the one that puts you in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. if you're walking, if you're on the edge where you're sitting in both them lines, good, because welcome to the club. This is where we sit. Right. I take and, that and deep we- breath and remember, hey, man, thank God I get the chance. I'm the one that gets to go in there and deal with this chaos. That's if, it. if you're That's made for that, that'll fire. That'll let you know right then and there. When you see that, I'm like, man, I, I'm geared for this. Is what I was born for. What, what else would I be doing? Right. And at the end of that day, if you fall asleep and wake up, that means you did it good enough to get kicked into another one. Go get Damn some. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, just hit that thing with everything you freaking got. You fight every single day. Like, 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 like it's the supposed to suck. The <laughs> right? right? Especially up in New York. You New York boys, man. Y'all just, I tell you, I'm your biggest fan. Keep fighting because, I mean, it's the damn motivating. Mm-hmm. Even when y'all are doing, when the, the dumb stuff sits down, just hold the line, man. <laughs> now, you you it's, it's a team the- effort. Yeah. When New York gets rid of the Vax card thing, we'll go up there. <laughs> so will I. Right? I've, I've yeah. been to the city in That's a couple a, years. They're beating themselves so. up. It's like, yeah. it's like New York City is like its own house, and they're arguing inside their own house right now. Yeah. So we're all standing back. That's it. We're standing back. We're just standing back, back watching. Don't mess. Like when New York gets upset, don't mess with them. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. just let them work themselves out. We're just praying for y'all. Yeah, we love to go visit. We like little two-day trips to New York. Yeah. Well, you you come on up. I'll give you I'll give you an escort, uh, armed escort for sure. to the city. Those are the best. <laughs> I mean, there. That's pre- let me tell you. There's no other, no presidential motorcade or anything like that until you get escorted through the city, like in New York through that. That's something. How did did you keep your um, Irish Catholic faith all through your service? I did. It um, it's been, 
it's been there for me. And it, let me tell you what, it's when you're at, at the depths, when, when you're in the middle of, 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 of that, those dark places, uh, when all you have is your faith, right? You're, you're there alone, especially alone, long periods of time where you're sitting there thinking and you think about your own mortality, you think about where you came from and why you're here. And you got to believe in something, right? Because if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. So that's been the moral compass. Now, I, I believe me, I'm probably the worst. I'm a practicing Catholic because I'm not, I'm not good at it. I said, I need to practice. So you're looking yeah, at the biggest kinds. center out there. <laughs> so but. we, Marcus is converting right now um, to Catholicism. And we're, we're in the RCIA class every Sunday. And he gets baptized. Great. I have the, yeah, on Easter. He gets I never, baptized and confirmed on Easter. So. I have the best so, time with the, yeah. with the cradle Catholics. Yeah. Because they don't have any idea what they got born into. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I, I have will, the best. I, I mean, it's, it's with, the funnest with, time. With I'm a good having the friend best of time. mine. Yeah, I mean, I have the best time going at them. Well, in our, <laughs> our in our class, in the, our, I I recommend because I grew up Catholic and I sit in on the uh, class with him, and I've learned more just sitting right? in this class than I ever learned in CCE or anything growing up. So, I highly recommend to someone that grew up Catholic to just. Go sit in an RCIA class. Yeah, especially if you got somebody I, like me in there because I'll ask the most random questions. Oh my gosh, he like, goes deep. I, I mean, because you know what we've been through. It just kind of yeah, right. Like, why do you ask it like that? I was like, because I had to live it like that, and I'm just curious as to. And it's the funniest. I mean, we have the best time. Yeah. It's- Dude, quick, quick Catholic, quick, quick Catholic story. So I, I go to confession St. Patrick Cathedral. Hadn't gone for a while, so I walk in. I'm sweating. I'm nervous. I'm behind the you know behind the screen. I'm in the box. I'm like, you know, bless you, Father, for I have sinned. He's like, when was your last confession? I'm like, it was 10 years ago. Yeah, I long, did that. <laughs> long silence, deep breath. <sighs> All right, kid, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read up the sin. You're going to say yes or no. I don't need numbers and maybes don't count. Yeah. <laughs> he begins to go through a tire litany. Turns out the guy was a UDT. He was oh, a nice, UDT yeah. guy on D-Day. What? Oh, wow. Dude, we yeah. spent like a half hour in the box after confession just swapping stories. I'm about to say, man, that, that's a good – at least you got awesome. hooked up. He's like, give me exactly. what you got. He knew exactly where I was coming from. Yeah. And you know, I was that's asking, awesome. what about this? Like, that's okay, kid. That's the that's ones okay. you need. You had to do that. Yeah. I uh, did that. I hadn't gone to confession since high school in um, early summer. Last summer, I was like, you know what? I just need to get back in church. I need to go do this. And I had gone to mass, you know, when you're supposed to, Easter, sure. Christmas. Yeah, the, bombs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. But I hadn't, like, consistently gone. And so I just jumped both feet in, went to confession. I was like, I have not been in 20 years. Walk me through it. And, and they did. At the, he, like, handed me a sheet of, <laughs> of things to go through. Like, True. Right. did you do one, right, two, double. three, four, whatever? Well, I, it, this best one is my, my first story with the priest. He, he uh, I, it was around. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I, I need some help. I was like, my wife, she's about Catholic. I was like, uh, like a good gift idea. I was like, you got anything from the church, you know, what she would love or something like that, because it would mean a lot. He's like, oh, let me think about it. <laughs> Bro, priest calls my wife and asks her what she wants for Christmas. <laughs> I was like, I was like well, hey. If I tell you something, that would be even a confession, man. I'm like, <laughs> he calls me. The he priest calls, calls like, me and he goes, he, he goes, what, yeah. would, what would you want? If you wanted a Christmas gift, what would you want? And I know the priest isn't going to get me a Christmas gift. And so I'm like, right. I said, is this coming from my All husband? Right, so that's, that's the first lesson. Then they like, don't get married. No. All right, so don't yeah. ask a priest for <laughs> advice on what to get your wife. No, I was like, yeah. learn that one quick, It gets man. better because I said, is this coming? from my husband and he goes 
You have six cents. Yeah, like, you got special <laughs> gifts. You're so smart. She no. does. All right, I can't Wait. get any faster. That's why I was calling a priest. Then in, yeah. in mass, in the next mass, <laughs> I was calling a priest because there's no way she could find out. No. Yes. So in mass, the homily is about. Oh, that's right. Asking the priest about a Christmas gift. Dude, and he you, made, goes, you, made, you made the homily, man. Dude, hey, hey, priest <laughs> came at me from the homily, so I couldn't yell at him. He goes, we <laughs> He was teaching me a lesson. He How goes, about that? That's messed up. Dude, is that messed up or no. what? Oh, I mean, looking at me right in church, he was like, hey. And yeah, then the whole goes, lesson was I asking I don't have a wife. Like, I don't know what to get a wife Dude, for played Christmas. me hard. Like, covered, he covered his own tracks. Like, I couldn't get mad at him. Guy's an expert. Brilliant. Right? He always brilliant. <laughs> That's why I stuck around. I was like, hey, 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 partner, you got, Priest, you got some skills. He got my 10. I was like, all right, all right, you got my 10. I'll stick around. But he did end up helping Marcus get a Christmas gift. He did. That that part's funny. Yeah, we came buddies. It was really cool. He ended up getting me a little Blessed Mother. That's right. Dude came at me uh, in the church from the pulpit. Yeah. I mean, how do you. Yeah. You go right to the top right away. Hit me from the pulled out in the pulpit. Jesus surrendered behind him, you know. I was like, all right, man. Before you. No, I yeah. um, I got to hook you up. A good friend of mine I work with, Green Beret, Mike Catone. He's on YouTube. Um, he does a lot of work up in – he does a, a C3 police and uses special forces techniques to kind of combat crime. But he's a, a devout Catholic, like almost like a – it's great, a militant Catholic. He knows about his faith from a different point of view. Yeah. Like he'll tell stories about how the saints – some of these saints were like brawlers. These saints would like would go into bars and clear out bars and drag people to church, like old school. Like I'm gonna, you're gonna go to church right now and stop drinking. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> that's who right. Marcus. That, needs. That's what I'm coming that's back on. I'm bringing that back. You should have yeah. picked that for your confirmation. Yeah, I'm doing like the church mob. <laughs> I mean, all the apostles exactly, got yeah. killed in like combat. You know, the freaking brawlers, right? And if they all yeah. got beheaded for something, I mean, that just didn't yeah. happen to an accountant or normal yeah. dudes doing the normal job. You that's got to get there whipping said. some He's ass. Like, I mean, they're martyrs. They all got. Like, they all got killed. I was like, y'all, are, do you yeah. actually read this story and understand what it says? Like, most of these dudes are scrappers. <laughs> yeah. Like, really, you, you look at the stained glass window, they look pious, got the glow around them and whatnot. But now I mean, you read their story, they're out there in, like, like, in the put, streets put throwing the ass, down. Right? Like, <laughs> savages. <laughs> What's up? Serious savages. I was like, I found the yeah. right place. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'll, uh, I'll hook you up. I'll send you, I'll send you his email. He will, he will inundate you with some great, great stories like an old school, like, pipe-hitting that would be right. awesome. There's one more really funny Catholic thing that I have to tell you that Marcus did. When I would go up to get communion, Marcus would follow me, and I told him to keep his hands He's crossed on his chest. Oh, you were talking about Oh, so this was before this we really got to know the priest. This is early on. Like, Marcus wasn't in RCIA yet. And uh, he walks up, and right before he gets up to the priest, he puts his arms down. <laughs> and so, so, so like, he hands him the host, and Marcus oh grabs it, and Marcus is looking at him like, I don't think you were supposed to do that, but okay. <laughs> and he's going towards his mouth, and the priest goes, are you Catholic? And he goes, I'm working on it. <laughs> Dude, hey, he took it back from me. And he says, give it back. He took it back from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, this rules, is what so happened. Right, first of all, I was just like, go up there and do this. And then, no, put your hand. Then, then, then my mother-in-law would be like, no, we'll put your hands down by your side. Oh, yes, I'm up there doing the Macarena. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. it, it looked like, like I, was, I was making fun of him. Yeah. And then he takes it back from me. Oh my gosh, well, right before that, I, I went in to, give to like, I was asking, no, I was like, is there anything I could do around the church or something like that? And the lady sure. goes, um, she goes, you're Mark Wahlberg, aren't you? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, he was my stuntman. 
And she, yeah. and I was like, he's a Catholic. We started kind of talking about that stuff. Yeah. She's like, oh, he's, a, ma- he's yeah. a magnificent Catholic. That, yeah, awesome. That's just the word. I was like, wait a minute. Is there a competition? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, you can be a good one. And I was like, well, I'm out Catholic all of you. <laughs> That's what Marcus said. I'm going to out Catholic. I was like, Mark I didn't Wahlberg. know. Is competition? <laughs> like, what am I going to do? There's a prize. Because if Wahlberg's yeah. in it, I'm, I was like, I'll go after him all day. I get first place. This I, is great. I was like, wait a minute. What is, yeah. yeah. And we've been having, I've been having a blast with it ever since. It man. was so funny. He, he came, Marcus comes around. Freaking the dude took goes, that thing back from me. He's like, he's like no, no, you're not in the club yet. I was like, I'm coming, back, I'm coming back for that later. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's oh, where that, we're that at. Isn't it funny? I mean, total Marcarena. I did have my hands down. Right, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to look back at her. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? I think I even said hell in church. I was like, sorry, Potter. <laughs> doing hocus priest? Hocus. What am I supposed to call you? Priest. Father. Yeah. yeah. Father. That's funny? the one thing yeah. about a, a good Catholic mass is you'll get a workout. You're standing, you're kneeling, you're sitting, you're standing, you're kneeling. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a CrossFit workout. They do right? that so the kids don't fall asleep. It's brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> I, I noticed that. Wisdom there. We're, yeah, there is. It's like, as soon as you're about to pass out, like, oh, your knees. Even Marcus's yeah. mom is doing it, so they're doing it wow. together, and it's super that's, special. So that's, that's that's great. No, it's um when I went in when in for the NYPD did the psychological test, I walk in, and they're like, you know, the question, why do you want to be a police officer? I'm like, well, look, um, I'm Irish and I'm Catholic, so it's either this or become a priest, and there's no yeah. way I'm becoming a priest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's it's firefighter, it. police officer, priest, right? It that's is. it. Those are my choices. Or you knocked out the army thing, so uh, yeah. you're you're next. <laughs> so I knew that was true. That's what we think. I mean, like all rednecks down here ride horses and do all that. Yeah, we still do all that. Like yeah. if you're in the New York, you're a, are you a firefighter or a police officer or a priest? Yeah. Because I know you got one in your family. I do. Y'all all eat dinner around the table on Sundays. You argue back and forth. I, I mean, the whole time, my first time up in New York, I thought y'all were screaming at me until I realized that's just how y'all talk. <laughs> kind of loud. Boy yeah, loud. I mean, it's like once you, because down here we don't. Well, the right. way I got him to even go to the Catholic Church is I told him that it's kind of like the SEAL teams of denominations. I was like, you've got your high. Yeah, she broke it down on me like that. She's like, I was like, you've got your officers and you've got your, you know, COs. You've got rules. You've got training. Right? You have to have training for every sacrament. Oh, yeah, she always she broke down like the martial art way too. She's like, yeah. you like to train the traditions and why? They? I was like, yeah. She's like, well, that's what this is. I was like, all right, it's all <laughs> traditions. Throw some Latin all the way yeah, in right? there. Right. Speaking foreign language. You know, yeah. It's, so. No, that that is so you know good for you, man. Like I say, my I, I again, my mother was was the beacon of faith in the family, and she's the one that again she would tell us stories of growing up and how important church was. Even to she grew up in the rural mountains of of, of Ireland, of Donegal. You you talk about rural, and you know you but you went to mass no matter what every Sunday, and she would often talk about the day she got a pair of black patent leather shoes, um, for Christmas. This woman walked to church with those shoes in her hand, just so she could put them on in the, in the, the, the knee of the church to walk in with them and would take them off when she got out of church as a little girl to walk home with them. Oh, wow. Because it, it was so special that she looked good, you know, in, yeah, in church. Church Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And your Sunday and, best. Uh, Sunday best. You know, so, so that's, yeah, your Sunday best because, you know, it was worth it. But yeah, no, um, you know, again, and that's, that's part of the whole sacrifice for others be be a man for others as as my high school motto was be, be a man for others and that really drove me into the i think drove us all into the position the, the professions we took in because sure. we don't do it for ourselves and we definitely don't do it for the money uh you, know, you do it for the cool clothes sometimes but you do it because yeah yeah of course you know because because you do it for other people just like you know jesus didn't have to die on the cross he could have passed that that cup but he did it for all of us and so uh, the least I could do is, is hold up my end of the bargain and, and try and do something for someone else. Sure. Service so, to your fellow man is a rent you pay to live on earth. That's it. That's all. That's as simple as that, man. And some people just don't get that. But those who do live a very rich life, no matter 
what's in their bank. It account. is right. The harder it is, the more rewarding. That's what you don't understand. Yeah. Like you can make it yeah. easy, and then those rewards come the way they do. But if you literally push it in uh, the hard direction, the rewards. Uh, that's why people stay in it. Yeah. I mean, like, it, more, just on that fact alone, like, why do people keep? Because there's a, re, it's rewarding. Rewarding. It's 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 etched to your soul. It's oh. just it's it, it's your fabric. You know, you you work for others, and the harder you work for others, the better you feel. And folks don't believe that until they actually do it, and they realize, wow, that, that felt that's really probably good. why some countries back in the day made it mandatory. Right to kind of it can impose a. Right when you're you coming know, out of high school, it's yeah. like, hey, go in there and help somebody for a little while. Right. Sure. You, know, you could see why they do why they would do that because it just gives you, it gives you a perspective that you can't teach in a book or explain. Like I don't know why this does this. It just does. It just does, and that's why so many veterans do it when they get out too. They yeah, sure. get these great programs out helping people, and that's because that's what that's what drives us. Yeah. So you know, for me, if it's if it's helping out my my seventy eight year old neighbor shovel her, her her driveway, well, damn it, that's what I'm going to do because uh, I need to help others because they I've been so blessed and so damn lucky. You know, I I, I still have a debt to the country and the debt to the people that will never be repaid. Ever. Wow. So I, we all think like that. And it doesn't matter what we went through and people are like, Hey man, you've been like, I, 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 what it, it feels like the harder you push in that direction to ser- public service, uh, the more you want to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, it, it perpetuates itself up into the point where like, man, I'll, well, one day, man, you know, if I need some help, somebody will step in there and help me. But until, right. hopefully I never have to do that. Until that day, yeah. I'm gonna keep pushing in this in this direction. See if I can right. spin back around, Bill. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, brother. Thanks for hearing your story. And no, thanks uh, again. Thanks, thanks for you guys for again what you do. Uh, you know, again uh, on behalf of New York City, we, we definitely do appreciate you know uh, you, you getting yours back uh, uh, for us. And you know, again, the, what hopefully you know this continues on. And and we just, you just keep helping people because you know the veterans, the cops, the, the civilians out there need need to hear good stories and good role models. So, ah, I'm gonna keep doing know. my job till I get my city back. <laughs> Darn right! I get New York back. <laughs> You'll know when that happens. I'll be up there. Marcus is yours, like from man. the Picante sauce commercial, New I, York City. Man, I think you're a star, man. Just go on. Get me up there. <laughs> All, All right. right, Tommy. Thanks, man. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much. Right. God bless. Yeah. God Take bless, care. man. Take care.